So you guys never figured out how I got that chicken and no. brought it on board the boat. No. <laughs> it was just one of those fun little things where I realized I could do something covert. And no, it was not while you were in Walmart. And I was just like, you know. I didn't think it was when we were in Walmart. I thought it was when we were at the gas station because it's that's the chicken that's always at the gas stations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it 100% was. You guys just never saw me bring it out. I had the bags hidden perfectly got <laughs> you guys locked up and i made sure that i got enough that everybody could snack a little bit on it if they wanted and was just like okay we're we're gonna get this to happen and make this happen it's all good and uh nope then saw that spark plug wire was snapped and i was like oh and it's not a simple spark plug wire like you would have on your car because it's a uh, connector is different a little bit but i was like all right but just walking up to you guys and pulling a chicken out from behind a tree. <laughs> Lily was like, okay, wait, is that like the giving tree of chicken? I was like, yeah, what, what? What's going on? It was just perfect. But that lady at Walmart and then the attitude of the employees there at the Walmart in Jacksonville. That lady pulls up. Oh, yeah. And she goes, she goes and pulls up and she, she walks around the outside garden center. And then... Instantly just goes over and grabs a bunch of red brick and just loads them up into her car, you know, driver side door, passenger side door, her, you know, her behind passenger side door behind her in her trunk and just starts to load them in. And then the attitude of the guy that at Walmart, yeah. and I was like, hey, I just tried calling your automotive. I tried calling your security. Nobody answered. You know, that lady out there literally just pulled up here. I saw her from the road. She pulled up from behind me. Right. And she's just loading up bricks, and he's like, well, I hope they deal with it. I'm off. Like, I get that some people have no care about their job, but understand that that hurts your job. That's one additional step why they have to use self-checkout, because they have to deal with theft. Walmart has literally said that their big, the biggest cuts in their profits are theft. Uh -huh. So if you want any kind of leverage or any kind of chance to, I can't imagine that anybody who's working at Walmart, if I worked at Walmart, I have no doubt that six months from the time I walk through that door, I'm a manager. I'm promoted because I don't just do my job and go home. Uh -huh. But I feel like, and I feel like going in there would literally be going into a half-ass contest. With a full ass, you know, because <laughs> like, I just I don't understand that work ethic. Like I will happily work on things from the time I'm, a, I'm awake to the time I'm asleep. You guys will pull me away from stuff when I do, you know, because you just know I'll just keep going and be like, hey, come on. Time to be a human. You know, when we're out on the road, you're you know, you're like, hey, I got to use the bathroom. Oh, can you wait for two and a half hours and we'll be in? like, no, <laughs> you know, or hey, can we sit down and eat? Like, but, but we're not the drop yet. We'll get there. We're like two days away. I mean, we have to be there in two days and you'll be there in the middle of the night. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like my brain is just, yeah, I, I get it. I work a different world. So it's all good. <laughs> I just, I don't understand people, I guess is, is what it comes down to. And it's like. And we had to troll, we had to troll that boat, what do you think, about two miles? Two miles, three miles? 
I don't know. Okay. Probably. I'm yeah. not good at that still. Well, it took an hour. So, and showed that that battery was working great, but the other battery wasn't. So, but it's all good. So, but hopefully now we just replace that spark plug wire because she ran good. She ran well for, oh, and we know that somebody stole fuel. So whoever stole the fuel out of my boat, I feel bad for them. That's two cycle mixed fuel with the sable in it that had been sitting there for eight months. So genius. <laughs> so anyway, that said, good afternoon and welcome to the afternoon dive on the stupid podcast on everything where I'm Joey and I'm Kiki and we talk about everything and nothing all at the same time. So normally we talk about our weekend roundup, but we realize that you haven't talked about the garden and what needs to be done. Yeah, so for May and uh, it, it's mostly a uh, little one oh one on uh, insects that are not great for your garden because this is the time that they mm-hmm. all start showing up and it's actually true for us this time because we haven't been dealing with any pests until now because we actually got to have more of a spring so we're just now getting to the point where there's mosquitoes and you know all of the things are showing up so uh to start uh, obviously because it is May for most places, not all yet, but for most of the country, you can begin hardening off frost tender plants, including vegetables, herbs, perennial and annual flowers, and any th- pretty much all of it <laughs> that's been started indoors. Um, outdoors, you can start sowing seeds of beans, okra, pumpkin, sweet corn, and watermelon. Um, plant in four of these things plant only partial rows of beans and sweet corn so that you can do successive planting and it can be done every week or two sweet corn should be planted in paired rows or blocks for good pollination which is what i'm doing mm-hmm. i am doing blocks um so that they grow together and i'll end up with you know a full full plot of of corn by the end of it and it'll still be pretty tall you know all together at one point but for the most part I'm going to be pulling the ears off and saving the stalks for compost or for burning or even for trying to weave some things because mm-hmm. I've been looking at things like that because it looks fun. Um, so, yeah, corn plant in blocks or in paired rows because you definitely don't want to end up with, you know, all these corn plants and not, you know, none of them are ready to be pollinated at the time that they're ready to be pollinated. And there's, you know, it's just it's very hard to plant corn the less of it you plant or mm-hmm. to have corn the less of it you plant. Um, by the beginning of this month, it should be safe to plant almost everything outdoors. Tender annual flowers like impatiens as well as tomatoes, peppers, and eggplants. Houseplants, too, can be moved to a shady spot in the yard for their summer vacations. Um, I can't do that this, you know, week because we've just been having rain and rain and more rain and crazy storm, windy rain. And And so it's a miracle... Yeah, but it's a miracle that I had like some of my taller plants, like my sunflowers, are not like falling over because that the wind that we've been having has been absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to risk destroying any of my house plants yet with, you know, the way that all that has been. Uh, plant sweet potato slips after the soil has warmed. So you know, but we you not you're not a big fan of sweet potatoes. Mm. So we don't have any sweet potatoes, and I only really use sweet potatoes for pie. <laughs> so. I'm Which is the only form I like to eat them in. But, yeah, it's like, I, I don't know. I, I feel like they're just a sugar delivery system. Otherwise, they're not anything tasty. I've had, like, the sweet potato fries, and I'm just not a And sweet potato chips, not a fan. Which so. is part of the reason, like, that I think that I, like, I, I don't know. I, I'm not 
super inclined on growing a lot of other squashes just because those are like <laughs> hand in hand people do sweet potatoes and squash bakes and things like that because mm-hmm. that's the that's just they're great flavor profiles but if you don't like sweet potatoes right. you probably won't like the squashes so that's kind of why i'm not looking at any of the other that's squashes okay. this time you around you got the zucchini tonight today i'm cooking that baby up so yeah i'm pretty excited about that so so yeah there's that um, so now let's learn about all of the pests because there are so many of them and it's important to learn about them because different ones attack different plants mm-hmm. and uh, some of them are not as easy as just, you know, squishing some eggs you find on a, a leaf. <laughs> so we start with the Colorado potato beetle. So Colorado potato beetle adults, eggs, and larvae can be handpicked to remove or sprayed with an organic insecticide. I highly suggest against it because they really are that easy to pull off. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if the inf- infestation is really, really bad, um, I don't know how to pronounce this, but I've seen it a million places. It's either spinosid or or spinoside, spinoside. Okay. I don't know. Spinoside. Um, but it's a it if it's bad, it's not or an organic insecticide, but literally it will destroy your entire crop of potatoes. Mm-hmm. So if it is that bad, you can you can use that. Um, adults are yellow and black striped beetles. The eggs are yellow and laid in groups on the underside of leaves, and the larvae are humpbacked and red. You can look for them on the stem tips, and they are present almost all season. So you have to be on the lookout for them from the moment you put your potatoes in the ground. Um, I haven't seen any for us in particular, but I, again, also haven't seen a whole lot of pests on us or all of our stuff, like, at all. We have a lot of birds, <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. And that's that's part of what we do in our garden. We actually actively feed and water our birds. Yeah. So that they'll come through and they go They're to town. always, 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 always in our backyard because of that. Mm-hmm. So. Which uh, a lot of things don't like to even show up because of it, like those little those little white butterflies that are actually just destructive and they leave those little itty bitty green caterpillars that they'll leave all around and like just chew things up. Uh-huh. No, the birds like see those and like dart right at them. So they don't they don't make it to land. <laughs> um, OK. And then also keep an eye out for striped and spotted cucumber beetles um, because they transmit a bacterial wilt to squashes and melons. Adults and eggs can be handpicked throughout the season, so another one you have to pay attention for throughout the entirety of the season. Um, watch for Mexican bean beetle. To be on the safe side, you can cover the entire crop with a floating row cover as soon as seedlings emerge. Uh, we don't really have the ability to do that right now. No, because your bean plants are taller than us. Those are peas. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. The beans they, I haven't I, the beans I haven't put in yet. I I need to figure out my trellising for them because. Uh, last year I just used tomato cages, which worked beautifully, mm-hmm. but I would need more because, uh, they all got thrown away by accident, I assume. <laughs> so I only have like four and they're being oh, used for the eggplants. Okay. <laughs> so I need, I, I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to, how I'm going to grow them. Cause they need some kind of cage type thing mm-hmm. because they're not, uh, they don't vine. They just fall over. So they just need something to support them from falling over from all sides. <laughs> so, okay. but anyways, yeah. So Mexican bean beetle pay attention for those um aphids of all types show up on a range of host plants as soon as the warm weather arrives look for them in newly unfurling uh, foliage and sticky leaves are also a sign of their presence since they secrete a honeydew black city bold mold may also uh 
be in this sticky stu- sticky substance and while it looks alarming it does little to no damage since it does not penetrate the leaves aphids however do damage the plant mm-hmm. spray the leaves with a strong jet of water to dislodge most of them insecticidal soap is an organic and approved product that uh provides pretty good control as long as the insects are uh wetted well and a second and third treatment to kill newly hatched eggs may be needed in five to seven days so it's the same thing like fleas you cannot just put you know a little bit and give them a flea bath and you mm-hmm. know just let them sit because the eggs will still be there you have to come back to it and you know kill off everything before it can lay another batch of eggs so if you do see any kind of aphids on anything it's good to go back five six seven times just to be sure that they're not there anymore yeah because they there's no such thing as back. checking on your plants too much your plants don't get insecure if you keep coming and looking <laughs> at them and saying hey i gotta look under your skirt really quick and see what's going on <laughs> Yeah, so just yeah, keep it keep in mind that it the garden it's even though it's hot, it's a constant process that you have to go out there and make sure that mm-hmm. there's nothing because a lot of these will destroy if there's enough of them that show up and you're gone and not checking on your garden regularly for a week, they can show up and destroy an entire crop of things and you'll never be the wiser. They could be mm-hmm. show up, eat it all and then leave and you'll never know what happened. So you have to be checking on a daily or semi, you know, by daily mm-hmm. <laughs> process every single time because otherwise, yeah, you're going to lose a lot of plants and never know what happened. So yeah, and and if you haven't yet, I, I will tell you the joys of UV flashlights. Like, make it a family thing. Like, take your kids, go out at night with UV flashlights. A lot of invasive species, a lot of them, show up under that UV light really well. And so, you know, and you you can collect them up in a jar, and then the next day give them to your chickens. Um, but... It's a cool time to do it. It's not overly bright. It gives a whole different. There's a different dynamic being in your garden at night. Yeah. Than there is in the daytime. So anyways, that's it. Um, squash vine borer plants or adults are one inch long, orange and green day flying moths that are emerging from the soil now. We, I have seen these. Um. Uh, they lay brown, button-shaped, about uh, one sixteenth inch eggs at mm-hmm. the base of the vines of summer and winter squashes. So, examine stems daily and remove eggs by hand to prevent burrowing of the larvae as they hatch. Wrap the lower six inches to twelve inches of the stem with aluminum foil or floating row cover, or even something as simple as toilet paper or paper towel rolls, mm-hmm. to prevent uh, um, egg laying. Because if it's if there's enough there that they won't, don't want to lay the eggs, then they won't. Um, things like aluminum foil are shiny, and it just it doesn't seem safe to bugs uh, to lay their eggs there. But uh, anything that's cardboard, obviously, you have to go back and check because they may lay the eggs on the cardboard, and then you could just remove the cardboard and p- replace it. So, uh, but those those are one of the ones that they'll lay those eggs, those eggs will hatch and you will never see them because they will be stuck inside that plant eating away from the inside out. Mm. And you'll start getting brown, spotted, wilty leaves and not know what's going on. But it's already too late by that point. Yeah, yeah. it's way too late because it's eating up the entire inside of the plant. So keep your eye out constantly for uh, eggs, for things like that. Like I said, they lay br- brown, button-shaped, one sixteenth inch eggs at the mm-hmm. base of the vines. So... 
literally just at the base of the plant pretty much just pay attention look 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 check under all the leaves on all of the stems everything um and then newly transplanted vegetable plants should be protected from cutworms with collars cutworms are disgusting and horrendous i don't like the way they look um cut strips of cardboard two inches wide by eight inches long staple them into circles place them around the plants you can press the collar about one inch into the soil and the collars will basically create a fence um and it'll keep the cutworms away and they basically just won't go because they they don't climb up the plant to go around or anything they literally just find the base of it and lay eggs there so as long as there's something there as a little mini you know barrier a little Mm -hmm. mini fence they won't they're not going to try that hard (laughs) so um and then so yeah those are those are all of the the basic big huge crazy pests that show up around as soon as it starts to get warm um there are obviously so many more um and based on your area they change Mm -hmm. the way that they look can change and how you know prevalent they are at trying to come back and come back and come back and luckily one of the biggest ways to combat pests being able to come back the next year is to plant that crop in a different area of your garden um they get used to it and they lay their eggs or they go dormant over the winter and then if you plant the same thing there they're just going to come back and do it again if there's something else that they're not interested in they're going to be stuck they're going to die they're going to leave trying to find a place to reproduce so i've pretty much not had any issues with pests because every single year everything's been in a different spot and i keep expanding Mm -hmm. so it's not like anything can be in the same spot really so it's it's easy for for people to have bigger areas obviously if you have a smaller space especially if you're doing container gardening it's a lot easier because you can just pick the plant up and move it (laughs) but if you just have a small garden it's obviously not that easy so there are plenty of different things online um of how to get rid of certain pests once they're there about how to prevent from those pests if they're showing up um and just yeah be be careful because there are a lot of things that you can find that are harmful that leach into the soil that you know kill off beneficial insects so Mm -hmm. do your research don't just you know take the first thing you see and just use it automatically because there are a lot of things out there that are not good for you or your plant or the soil or bees or whatever it may be and you'll end up you know causing irreparable damage that you don't mean to cause so those are all the pests. Um, there's a couple <laughs> of other little things um, that you do in May. You're hilling up your potatoes, quote unquote, which basically means that you're adding more and more soil to let them have more space to add more potatoes to the plant. Um, you pinch herbs like basil, mint, oregano, savory, and it basically promotes the uh, bushy growth. What you do is there um, along the stem, there will end up be being a spot where there's two leaves like two little sets of leaves that are coming off if you Mm -hmm. pinch right above that those two little sets of leaves that if you don't do anything will just be leaves if you pinch the top of the plant right there they'll grow off into their own stems so it literally creates very very bushy plants and i've been doing that since i learned about it Mm -hmm. mostly with basil because it works amazing with basil and then um (sighs) i also do it with uh rosemary because rosemary will keep just like rosemary loves to be a bush (laughs) so so yeah Yeah. all of those all those things are you know you can do it with a lot of plants um you can also do it with tomato or not tomato with pepper plants i mean you can do it with tomato plants but it's not ideal Mm -hmm. (laughs) but you could do it with uh pepper plants and a lot of people do the, the and a lot of people see issues with it at the same time because one 
it can significantly hinder the growth because it takes a lot longer for pepper plants to grow as it is. You plant them 10 to 12 weeks before you're going to plant them outside because that's how long the seedlings take to grow. So when you have these beautiful young seedlings that you're going to plant outside and you pinch the top of them, they're going to stay that size for the next month before they actually start growing again. Mm -hmm. So it's a matter of timing and how long your growing season is, because if you want a bigger, bushier plant, supposedly people get more harvest, they get a higher yield if they do that, because it creates a bushier plant, which means that there can be more flowers. I strongly uh, don't recommend doing it with... um, bigger peppers like with bell peppers because they're already struggling to hold up those bell peppers as Mm -hmm. it is and then uh just hindering their growth and making them have thinner stems with you know just so that you can have more of them it also puts strain on the plant because bell pepper plants are not supposed to be overly producing it's it's not like it's a tabasco or a cayenne pepper plant where those peppers they just grow and grow and grow and there's so many of them over right you're saying you just want like three or four on a pepper yeah at any given point you don't want really more than that because it's going to strain the plant and it's not going to be very happy but yeah with pepper plants like hot pepper plants they they already grow bushy i didn't touch Mm -hmm. my cayenne pepper plants at all last year and they produced so many peppers and they still were bushy and they were still more than happy Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i literally planted them transplanted them and then left them i did not water them i did not fertilize them i did not do anything and i got so many cayenne peppers and then you made enough to make a case of hot sauce (laughs) so Yeah. yeah i i and because we have that i'm looking at i first of all i planted way more cayenne pepper plants mm-hmm. this year and then on top of that i want to make sure that uh with them that we do half to replace what we've uh, lost and add more to our uh hot sauce mm-hmm. and then i also want to uh go for red pepper flakes because people use them for red pepper flakes that's what's the, the primary pepper is in them okay so but anyways if you're if when it comes to pinching it's literally a preference you can try it with one plant and not with another and you know directly see what works for you because some people it works amazing some people it doesn't like i i just won't with my pepper plants because it's it's just not that it's not worth it to me i have a very long growing season mm-hmm. especially for hot peppers i i plant them early spring and then they grow all through spring and summer and fall and they produce that entire time besides the very peak heat of summer because they just don't like to it's too hot (laughs) they're worried about staying staying alive yeah so but as soon as it starts to to cool back off into the the 80s even the high 80s they just produce and produce and produce and i am having pepper after pepper after pepper to the point where i'm bringing in baskets daily Mm -hmm. because yeah, so it's it's up to preference. People say it gives you more of a, a, a yield and that they're more productive. I have not been able to confirm that. <laughs> so, but as far as with herbs, I highly suggest it because, yeah, the bushy growth in herbs is a lot more uh, profitable mm-hmm. for you than it is oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And to it, not. And believe me, a nice big round thing of rosemary makes me very happy, so... Mm-hmm. I, I'm one of those people I don't want to kill a plant. Like some people are like, oh, yeah, just chop it up and then make more. But I like to keep things going. Like we've had green onions that actually lasted through the entire year yeah. and are now the size of leeks yeah. of everything else that they could be. And it's just incredible. And they taste so good. <laughs> they taste you. If I fed you this and told you it was a green onion, you would you call me a liar. You literally would call me a liar yeah. because it does not 
taste like like a regular green onion. It's so much sweeter. There's so many more notes to each one. It's like it makes me want to eat generic ramen so I can chop up a bunch (laughs) of green onions and put them in because it's so good. In fact, when we're done here, guess what I'm going to go do? So, yeah. So, sorry. Um, and then when you uh, at this point, it's starting to get warm outside. If you still have leafy greens in your backyard, you need to harvest them often because they will bolt soon. If the more and more you harvest them, you're dissuading them from bolting. So uh, but be prepared because it's about to be the end of their season. Um, and then if you have any shrubs or anything like that that you really enjoy, mm-hmm. the middle to the end of May is an excellent time to take softwood cuttings so that you can get more plants. Um, it's uh, still a new concept to me, and I don't have anything that I want to take cuttings of yet <laughs> because we don't have any bushes or trees that I'm, you know, that we have that are permanent because we haven't even gotten to a point where our backyard is permanent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, I don't have anything yet. If I did end up with anything like that it's gonna be an investment of pots like whenever we do our uh whenever we do our citrus Mm -hmm. it's gonna they're gonna start off in pots because until i am very 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 confident that they will survive a frost they are not staying outside uh we have just and i don't care how ghetto it looks for the you know three months that we actually have cold outside Mm -hmm. i (laughs) i'm going to be very dedicated to keeping an orange and a lemon bush tree thing alive because I really just want fresh citrus. It's it's so good, and I miss it so much. And I want pomegranate bushes yeah. and trees again too, because they just they just produce. It, there's so much food when you have something like that. It's mm-hmm. an investment of time, but then once you get to that point where they're producing and they are completely on their own, it, there's just nothing like that. They their lifespan is forever. They go all through everything. It's just yeah, I I want that. So until until I have any of that. I don't, I can't take any cuttings of anything, but if you have like uh any any lilac or anything like that, like those are things you can take uh, softwood cuttings of. If you have any berry brambles that are you know producing, you can take softwood cuttings of those, but not like as as much as you would hardwood cuttings for reproducing those mm-hmm. in the fall. Or you'd be a lot more successful fall winter time. But yeah, no. So so yeah, those are pretty much all the things that you do for May. Um, <laughs> it's not super hard. May is right when things start to become a lot more, you're going outside, you're checking things, you're picking things, you're watering, and that's it. It's not a whole lot of actual heavy-duty work anymore, unless you're doing, like, genuine garden projects, which, you know, we are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, our, we, we went from our first year, we had maybe a sixth of our backyard was garden. Mm-hmm. And then last year... The entire second half of our backyard, backyard, because we have two backyards, um, is garden. Mm-hmm. And now three quarters of our backyard <laughs> is garden. Yeah. So I'm excited. And I want to also encourage anybody that is growing a lot of food um, on a like big scale like we are, where it's not like we have like, you know, commercial size anything, mm-hmm. but we have a good giant sized garden in our backyard. Yeah. Uh, to encourage everybody to learn the different ways to save your food because canning is mm-hmm. obviously a big one, but it's, it's extremely intimidating because I haven't even started. 
I'm very scared to start because I am always, always, always terrified of poisoning the family with anything that I do <laughs> because I'm just, I, I'm afraid of getting sick, but when it comes to canning, it's not one of those, oh yeah, no, they make it sick, you ain't give them salmonella, da, da, da. it's like, that's it, you'll die if you do it wrong, and there, it's literally odorless, <laughs> it is colorless, it is tasteless, you literally won't know until you're sick, and that's what terrifies me. So it's like, I- Botulism. But yeah, but everybody does it all the time, and unless you're literally doing the most unsafe possible practices, mm-hmm. it's so unlikely- but I'm just so terrified. I want to do it. I don't want to watch any of my food go bad, but I'm so scared of it. And so I look at all the other options like freeze drying. And that's primarily what I'm going to be looking mm-hmm. at for the majority of all of the things that I'm going to save because it's just easier. <laughs> I am reli- I can I freeze drying is reliable. That's all I can say. Canning, everything yeah. can last 10 to 15 years. Freeze drying is 25 plus. So I'm going to stick with my freeze drying. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, we we put in the six thousand dollar investment for yeah. it, so we might as well use that. And uh, and in all honesty, you f- you can freeze dry and stick it in a can. Yeah, you know, and it's like you have a lot more options. I can't can things in a mylar bag, right? Yeah, and it's like I well, actually I don't know if I can. So, but okay, so I have one quick weird question before we before we go on this one. Okay. So we were talking about the bugs that actually bore their way inside, uh-huh. right? And like you'll see them in a second because I've seen them before. Mm-hmm. Um, they tried my artichokes, um, and they killed one of my plants. So, if you cut out the section where they were, could you graft it in theory to the base of the plant and give it a second life or a second chance? Because I've never done it. And I just was thinking about it. You were sitting there talking about that. And I was thinking, oh, man, let me look at sanitizers. And then I was like, oh, yeah, and cutworms. I want to see a picture of a cutworm. And somebody was like, yeah, where the cutworm literally cut my plant. I just went ahead and grafted it. I was like, well, okay. (laughs) I don't know. I wonder, yeah, I wonder how many plants it would actually work with. Because a lot of plants... uh, A lot of seasonal plants that we use, the whole point Mm -hmm. is that they, they don't have a you know never-ending life (laughs) like they do where they are you know where they're from because a Mm -hmm. lot of these plants are tropical plants that you know that's why they're as happy as they are in this you know summertime because that's when it's warm outside and they don't survive in the winter so i don't know i'd be curious to know i wonder if it's something that you could do successfully before the end of the season kind of thing see yeah that's that's what i'm curious about because like if you got like our zucchini right now right like uh-huh. it's going gangbusters like i'm yeah. i like i want more i want more yeah they're I'm gonna, gonna probably get so big here, that i'm gonna be struggling to walk down those pathways because which they're is massive awesome yeah we give them plenty of space and you're giving them plenty and then that ground is all so nutrient mm-hmm. um and that's been i've had to be quiet in a couple of my gardening groups because people are like, I don't know why my garden's not doing so well. And it's like, and then somebody was like, oh, well, what did you do for it? And it's like, they're sitting there just talking about that they basically tilled the ground with some topsoil or earth in it. And, you know, and I'm sitting there going. Which is still so weird because, I, I mean, it's not hard mm-hmm. to grow a garden. There are basic necessities and there are some plants that won't do well without certain nutrients. But for the most part... Mm -hmm. it's not hard plants will grow in horrible horrible situations yes it's just you're trying to give them the easiest chance to grow and reproduce because you want a high yield so when people are struggling i'm like you literally have to be doing the less than the bare minimum because the bare minimum is tilling up the ground 
growing, starting your seeds inside and then planting them outdoors and making sure they have water. Because I'm mm-hmm. not doing anything to my garden. I like I feel like people think that there's some secret to gardening. I'm not doing anything. I am not out there 24-7 tending to everything. I'm not sitting oh, here no. saying you have to be out there every single second of every single day, a minute out of every hour in your day. You got to go out there and look at everything. I'm just, I am out there. Like, I half the time will go two days without being out there because it's raining and there's nothing I can do when it's raining. Or it's like, you know, 100 degrees outside and I'm not going to take my butt out there because I don't want to be irritated and sweaty when I come back in. Or there's a huge, crazy infestation of mosquitoes right now and I don't want to go out there and I won't go out there for a week. I'll just go out there, turn on the sprinkler and come back inside. Like, I, there are times where I legitimately am not outside for days and my things are fine mm-hmm. because as long as you have the bare minimum in the beginning – they're right. going to be fine. So right. people that are doing this, it's literally means that they are just not doing the bare minimum. It's like when people don't put, crazy. you know, something like wood, uh, like wood chips or compost or mulch and whatever in their garden. Yeah. And then wonder why they have to water it so much more. It's like yeah. you have nothing that's there to absorb your water. Oh, yes. Yeah, the roots. I need to get another bale of hay for my corn. Okay. And potatoes. Well, Those I probably because I'm now I'm so <laughs> Romany right now. It's not even funny. So, all right, and uh, you know it's great. And I'm you know take pride in your garden, definitely. Yes. And, and and don't compare to everybody's beautiful, oh, perfect, God. amazing, big, huge gardens online. I have a big garden, and I still look online and feel like what I have isn't good enough. And what I have that I'm failing at because my tomato plants don't look nice and uniform. But the thing is, is that everything you see online is only a tidbit of what's actually going on behind Mm -hmm. every single photo or every single beautiful video where they're standing in one place taking a a big wide pan. I promise you behind those raid garden beds is a mess. I promise you that they shoved things out before they took those pictures. They cut up those, you know, they changed clothes and got the sweat off their bodies. Yeah. Nobody's sitting there and going, you know, (laughs) they're not frolicking around with their baskets collecting eggs and you know cutting off all these beautiful Mm -hmm. things and coming inside and everything they're dirty they are going outside and they're getting you know chicken poop and they're getting manure and they're getting compost on their hands and nobody sits out there and wears gloves every single time that they're doing stuff because they get in the way you take them off and then there's dirt under your nails and everybody has that everybody's wiping their forehead at some point when they had dirt on their hands and getting a big old dirt smear all over their fucking face then nothing is perfect yeah nobody's garden is perfect and that is honest and, and i'm just gonna say this you know, either they're doing the work, their significant other is doing the work, you know, which I've done some of the work in your garden, but you do a lot of the work in your garden. But, you know, or, you know, they're just lying. Yeah. Like I, 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 I saw it. Somebody called it out. It was on Reddit and I laughed so hard. I wish I had saved the picture. Aww. I thought it was going to be there. Somebody was showing the zucchini that they grew this year. Okay. And the stinking made in Mexico label was still on one of the <laughs> zucchinis showing on the picture right at her fingers. So she just didn't pay attention wow. to where it was. She's like, look at all the zucchini I grew. Wow. Didn't know you were a producer in Mexico. <laughs> and and she was like, what? And they circled it. And then I was like, I got to go get that screenshot. It was out and it was gone. So it's like, yeah. Uh, so don't take everything online as uh you're, you're either doing this or you're a horrible gardener you're because i see it all the time nobody's kids you, are perfect nobody's, nobody's garden is perfect. perfect nobody's homestead is perfect and i want to make this very clear growing your own food even if you just start with one tomato plant one zucchini plant mm-hmm. one potato you put in the ground you are starting a homestead the yeah. moment that you are trying to further yourself from being dependent on our big huge system 
you are becoming a homestead. You know, not every homesteader needs to be homeschooling their kids and have, mm-hmm. you know, 300 chickens and goats and cows and, you know, live on 25 acres of land and all. No, that's not what makes a homesteader. What makes a homesteader is the want to be self-sufficient. The moment you have that want to be self-sufficient, the moment you become a homesteader. Yeah. Your mindset changes. You notice all of the little things that are not there, that are different, the way that food tastes, that tastes better when you make it, all the little things here and there. You learn about, you know, hormones that are put into animals and things and, and what's not safe for you to eat and what's been, you know, poisoning you for years. And you learn all of those things and you want to fix it and better it. And you slowly get mm-hmm. yourself in a position where you are less and less and less and less and less dependent on the system. That's a homesteader. So don't look at your garden and think, oh, my garden's not big enough. I'm not a homesteader. Oh, I don't homeschool my kids. I'm not a homesteader. Oh, I only have six, seven chickens. I'm not a homesteader. I have one beehive and it keeps bolting every year. Yeah, it's it's practice. The difference between all of our grandparents and great grandparents and what they did is that they were taught from generation to generation. We have all become dependent on a system that doesn't teach us this. So we're all learning Mm -hmm. again from the beginning. So don't take somebody that just happens to have a family line that's passed down all these things and lives in the same house they've lived in for over, you know, 300 years as somebody that is that's it that's law that's a homesteader and i'm not that so i'm not a homesteader Mm -hmm. that's not how it is we're homesteaders we are slowly becoming more and more independent and that is what it takes yes i and i am so much further now than i was three years ago my first garden was horrendous (laughs) there are things that i tried to grow i mean even just now my brussels sprout plants and i only have two of them and i planted five that first year that did nothing versus the two that i have this year that are actually growing so I look that as a win. Yeah, there, there's only two of them instead of five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, but those two are growing versus the five that failed. Mm-hmm. So look at those little things as wins. I have strawberries this year. I've tr- been trying strawberries for the past three mm-hmm. years, and this is the first time I'm actually going outside and I'm consistently picking strawberries. And it's not enough to like have everybody sit down and eat strawberries and have a snack and be full on it, but it's a beginning. It's a start. I can actually pick strawberries and have a couple with breakfast. I can add them to my oatmeal. Yeah. I can put them in something. Like it's it's a start, and that's the way that I look at it. That's a win for me. The fact that I am growing my garden, that's a win for me. The fact that there are crops that I've been trying to grow that haven't been working out, but this time they're working out, is a win for me. I'm still trying to work out all of my trellising on my tomato plants. Does that mean that I'm giving up on tomatoes? No, I'm still working at it, and it doesn't look great, the one that I have right now, because as soon as plants get bigger, everything starts to look a lot less pretty. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's it's literally just a matter of coming back and keep trying and keep trying and keep trying to push away from the system and that is the successful homesteader is not giving up and recognizing that you're trying and you're going to get away from that system even if it's just a little bit out of time even if it's just hey i'm going to just slowly earn back a little bit of money from the couple of things i already have on my you know small little one acre bit of land because that's what we're doing so if we can do it on our little bit itty bitty area and slowly add more and more and more chickens to it and more and more Mm -hmm. and more garden to it then you can too because that's what it is. That's what it's about. Lifting everybody else up, trying to support your family, and still being able to get away from the system in the process. So, with that, 
don't forget to hit that follow button not whatever you're listening from like our podcast page on facebook follow us on instagram and twitter you can find all of that in our link tree in the description and be sure to give our website a visit and that would be stupid podcast on everything.com and yeah we're gonna have all the stuff up and a lot more we'll have pictures uh showing the progress that we're making in the garden so until we see you tomorrow for our morning grind peace out with your peace out Bye.